0: So this, this message is, we're going to go through a lot of different scriptures, but we're also going to get practical. So today we're talking about the power of discipling, giving disciples. What I mean by that is you approaching someone and saying, hey bro, could we talk? Maybe in a d time, maybe over lunch, maybe just in the fellowship, and you're getting out your Bible, or maybe you're speaking to them and you're, you're talking to them in a loving way, but in a truthful way. Amen. And so today's message, if you've got a title for it, is Speaking the Truth in Love. Speaking the Truth in Love. What is the heart behind discipling? Love. You know, love speaks, right? Love does not hide, right? The Bible says that enemies blow kisses, but wounds from a friend can be trusted. Now, wounds doesn't sound as good as kisses, But guess what? Wounds are what really help us to change. You know, if we don't hear truth, the Bible says that if there is no vision, if there's no prophetic vision, the people perish. So if we don't speak prophetic vision to one another, we all perish. If there's not discipling in the church, we all perish. It's kind of intense to say that, right? Um, This passage is wonderful. It says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Church, if we don't speak the truth in love, do we grow into Him who is the head? No. That's our part. Our part is to speak the truth. If we don't speak the truth, we don't become like Jesus. There has to be speaking. We have to open our mouths and speak. We, We can't just have good intentions, we can't just say, yeah, I see that, but hopefully, you know, Ignatius will talk to
1: them, because
0: mm-hmm. they know him better, or well, hopefully Tim, you know, he's, he's a straight shooter, he'll talk to him, he's way better at speaking the truth in love than I am, or so-and-so knows the Bible better than me, no, no, that's not what God's plan is, yeah. the Bible says, no longer will a man teach, but we will all know the Lord, amen, We will all know the Lord. We all have the Holy Spirit in us. Galatians 4, verse 19. We're going to read this scripture. This is a powerful scripture that I just recently learned from a class that Val Koha did uh, just yesterday. (laughs) That's cool. It says, My dear children, for whom I am again in pains of childbirth. That doesn't sound encouraging. Sometimes discipling is hard. Amen? (laughs) Until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. So this is not the most encouraging detail. This is and and some really intense things are happening in the church. Who knows what's happening in the church of Galatia right now? Why is Paul writing this to the church? Why is the book of Galatians written?
1: Some some crazy stuff.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, some crazy stuff's happening. False teaching. I want to get more specific? Speak the truth in love. <laughs> what What's happening? Uh, false leaders that are going against, uh, not going against, but trying to put themselves above Paul, and so now you have like two different followings. Where it's like, oh, I follow Paul, I follow this guy. Yep that that was that were two there's two groups of people, but they weren't trying to just take away Paul. They were called the circumcision group. And what was basically being said that you must be circumcised to be saved. Okay? Now, if you're a sister, you're like, Amen, I'm good with that. (laughs) But if you're a brother, you need to be circumcised. Okay? And, And so people, adults, adult men, were getting circumcised in order to not be cut off from Christ because the Old Testament said, Unless you are circumcised, you will be cut off from your people. Strugs, right? You think it was hard for you to become a disciple? You know what I'm saying? These guys were sold out. You know, but it was it was it was such an extreme situation that it was literally no gospel at all. They were lost. They were in danger of getting lost as a whole church with this teaching. Just adding one thing, they believed in repentance and baptism. They believed in all these things but they missed one thing. They added one thing to the gospel. Isn't that sobering? That if we take one thing away from the gospel, or we add one thing in the gospel, Paul says, let that person be eternally condemned, Galatians 1. I'm not here to talk about false teachers, but this is what Paul is trying to do. He has one goal. To, he's, he's here to teach and disciple the church. Pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's our goal. When do we stop discipling? When Christ is formed in us. The answer is until Christ appears. That's when we stop forming Christ in one another. We we stop doing that. We need to continue to disciple until Christ is formed in you. We're going to talk about why that is. How do we do that? Speaking the truth in love. This is the scripture, Ephesians 4. You can write that down, 14 through 16. It's done in a unified manner. It's done as every part does its work. Amen? It's not just the leaders that disciple. It's everyone. When was the last time you said, Hey, bro, I want to talk to you about your your character. Sister, I want to talk to you about this. You're not evangelistic. Whoa. That's tough. When was the last time you invited someone to church? That's a hard question, isn't it? It's a tough question to be on the other side of it, right? You're like, ugh. But Jesus says, go make disciples. What's stopping you? Well, I don't have enough time. And then you start talking about that, right? When was the last time you confessed sin, bro? I never hear you confessing your sin. The Bible says you're a liar if you confess sin, First, if you don't confess your sin, First John chapter 1. When was the last time you talked about your sin? Many of us in this room don't confess our sins. On a regular basis, because we just got into the habit of not doing it. We gotta confess our sins. We gotta keep our conscience clear. These are just some of the many things that we need help with. Amen? We forget. We, are a am, we have spiritual amnesia. We are cursed with that as human beings. You will forget if you're not reminded. That's why we, we need to hear the word priest. That's why we need to hear these passages that I've heard so many times. And what happens is I look at this passage and I go, Whoa, that's a new thing, that's a new thing, that's a new thing, that's a new thing. You know, the Word of God is living and active, right? Discipling is used with the Word of God. So we need to speak the truth in love. Jesus said something awesome. He says, If you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm. Free from what, church? Truth is the only thing that sets you free from sin. Holding to the teachings of Jesus helps you know the truth. The truth sets you free. That's why we need to speak the truth and love to each other. That's why we have to love the truth. Tell me the truth. I love Billy Joel, man. He's like honesty. Remember that song, Honesty? You get to have a pretty face and tell me pretty lies. You know... Honesty is such, right, a lonely word, right? Everyone is, so untrue. Everyone is so untrue. That can't be what we feel in the church. Yeah. Honesty, right? I, I can do it. But, but we can't be like that in the church. Honesty is the only way that we are set free, church, in our sin. And so we've got to speak the truth in love. And we have to invite the truth. You know, before we get into discipling, I want to get back to being a good disciple and getting discipling. We can't wait for people to disciple us. It's one of my pet peeves in the church. Well, I'm just going to, you know, work on this myself and not really get any help, even though I keep doing this. You ever say this? I, I just, I won't do it again. I
1: just
0: won't do it again. Here's a question. If you've done it over and over again, what's going to be different this time? <laughs> if everything in you, all the thing in you, isn't changing, what is going to change then? Yep. You only change if something changes, right? What has to change? You have to get outside help. Mm-hmm. Input has to go into your brain, and you have to accept that input, that truth, and you're changed. Right? That's a, a, a psychological part, a way of saying discipling. But the truth is, we need to disciple each other. You know, we need to get advice. I'm struggling with this sin. Help me out. I'm I'm working on this. Help me out. I've not brought a person to church for a long time. Help me out. Can we go out two by two and do it? We've forgotten that our goal is to be like Jesus. It's not to be good religious people. There's plenty of those people out there in this world. My goal is to be like Jesus. So if I'm not like Jesus in a certain area... I need discipling. I need help with that. And it's not just people that disciples you. The Holy Spirit disciples you. He's your best discipleship partner. You ever just get convicted for no reason? <laughs> Nobody said anything to you, but you're just like, I am so convicted right now. I got convicted doing the kingdom study with some police. I'm sitting there doing the kingdom study with some police, and I'm like, why did we take this out of the Bible study? I'm so impatient. And I started, like, talking to myself in the Bible study. Listen, please. I hope he was okay with that. <laughs> but I was just like, what is wrong with me? And I started getting mad. I looked at Jesse, and Jesse was like, I don't know.
1: You know? <laughs> and and,
0: and, and I, I just got convicted by the Holy Spirit. You know? <clears throat> Jesus said kingdom more than faith. He said kingdom more than everything else in the gospel. And we're not teaching in the Bible studies. That's got to change. You know, it changes everything to know about the kingdom. That's a little little, uh, side note there. But I just want to encourage us that we need to let the Holy Spirit convict us. The Holy Spirit also convicts us through people. We have to invite, come Holy Spirit, convict me, encourage me, correct me, train me, right? You know, I want to encourage you to be the best disciple you can. And to be the best disciple you meet, it means you're the most teachable disciple. You're asking questions, you're wanting help. Everyone wants to look good, right? But guess what? The people that look good don't change. It's only when you talk about who you really are that you change. Right? So let's stop being religious. We're not religious. Most of you, by the way, weren't religious. Most of you were sinners, dirty sinners, and all of a sudden we turned into those religious people that forgot about Jesus. No, we can't be that. We have to be like Jesus. That's our goal. When I look in the Gospels, am I like him? If I'm not like him, help me, Lord, and help me, people, okay? It's exciting to be like Jesus. It's awesome to be like Jesus. We need to be set free. So that's the heart of it. Let's talk about the need for disciples. Fill the need. That's you, man. That's me. Those two pieces right there. Or maybe six pieces. Six. That's
1: you, me. Six. Six. That's a family group right there. We need
0: for discipling. We need discipling, right? There's a big hole. That, that, that's, that's my heart right there. I need you to put the pieces in there and help me be discipling. The need for discipling. All right, let's talk about it. We're going to look at a couple of these. We can't look at all of them for the sake of time. Let's go to 2 Samuel. Here's the most encouraging thing you ever read. David, the man after God's own heart. David, the man after God's own heart. The one that God said, that guy, he's got my heart. Who else in the Bible said that? Nobody. Jesus was the only one that I think, you know, obviously surpasses that. David, right? He sleeps with Bathsheba. He kills Uriah the Hittite or allows him to be killed. He's keeping it secret for eight months, church. Eight months he's just sitting in that sin, not confessing. What do you think is happening to his heart? It's just like, you know, it's just his heart is turning into a black, hardened, crusty mess. Right? And then Nathan comes out of nowhere. Nathan comes to him. And in the most amazing ways, rebukes him with a story. It's masterful discipleship. We got masterful discipleship in the prophet Nathan, right? Let me ask you a question. Do you think what was the difference between David and Solomon? Solomon didn't have a discipleship partner. Nobody rebuked Solomon. The Bible records after the second wife. Someone need to rebuke that cat. Yo, why are you marrying Egyptians? We don't do that in the kingdom. That comes later when they become disciples, you know. Kingdom of God is everywhere. But right now, don't be going to those Egyptian people. Who cares about Pharaoh? You're going back to Egypt, Solomon? I mean, that would have been a great rebuke. Put the friendship on the line and rebuke Solomon. He would have been me. He's the only guy in the Bible I believe won't be in heaven. He wrote most, well, a chunk of the Bible. I don't believe he's going to be in heaven. Why do I say that? He didn't make the Hall of Faith. Are you kidding me? The best thing you could say about Solomon, Solomon, you know, you know by faith, Solomon sacrificed 5,000 bulls on the altar for God. I mean, that, that would have been a great part of the Hall of Faith, wouldn't it, in Hebrews 11? But no, that's not what it said. It didn't say anything. Crickets about Solomon in Hebrews 11. Why? Because he didn't have anyone to rebuke him. Because he didn't have a discipleship partner. Interesting. How that is.
1: Interesting. He had a great temple.
0: He had a great church he went to. Lots of smoke and lights. It was awesome. Worship? Are you kidding me? His worship was awesome. Did he make it to heaven? No. Obviously, I can't say that with great authority. I'm not God. But it says a lot of things in the Bible that are really bad about him. Read Chronicles. You'll see. They're not up on Solomon. It's because of Solomon that this happened. I mean, they're like giving it to Solomon. You know, Charlie doesn't like Samson.
1: In the Bible. He doesn't like Samson. Okay, He talked
0: to me about this the other day. He doesn't like Samson. You know who I don't like? I don't like Solomon. I don't like that dude. He bothers me. Both, you know... Both, both, guys, you know, Samson. Samson made the Hall of Fame. Solomon did it. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Solomon.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: okay, let's go there.
0: Second Samuel.
1: You picked the wrong guy. <laughs> no, he was—he was a
0: pretty much a a, a a a beast of a man. Amen. <laughs> he had—he had about as much spirituality as a. Uh, a rock sometimes. Okay. Second Samuel chapter 12. Um, verse 1. We'll read this. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he brought. He raised it and grew up with it, and his children and shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Sounds like Lulu. <laughs> Sounds like Lulu? Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for a traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with self-righteous anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he has such... He did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. Whew. That was intense. And then he goes on. I, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from the hands of Saul. soul. I gave you my master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And all of this had been too little would have even given you more. That's like, that breaks my heart. Why did you despise the word of the Lord? By doing what is evil in the eyes. You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despise me. and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own? This is what the Lord says. Out of your own house I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your eyes I will take your wives and give them to the one who's close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Now let me say this about David. He was awesome at getting discipline. David was the best, guys. Women came up to him. Two women. We're going to talk about women discipling men and men discipling women today. Whoa. What's that about? Two women came to David and David was humble to them and listened to them. Beautiful, isn't it? David was humble. Guys were throwing rocks. That's like bad discipling, right? He was throwing rocks at David and he was like, maybe it's from the Lord. He had a sovereignty of God when it came to disciples. He believed that God's Holy Spirit was working on people to direct him to be like him, to be like the Lord. You know, he was also trying to be like Jesus. He was a man after God's own heart, right? His goal was the same goal as ours to be like Jesus. After hearing this rebuke, he could have responded in so many ways, church. How dare you! You know? But what did he do? He, he fell on his face and said, I have sinned against the Lord. Rebukes. Later on, he says, Let a righteous man rebuke me. It is like oil on my head. We need rebukes. Amen, church? Yeah. Not every day. Amen. <laughs> but we need rebukes. When was the last time you rebuked someone? Like, I don't want everyone rebuking everyone right now. But I'm saying... Why do we need rebukes? Rebukes are for two reasons. Number one, a rebuke is for someone who does not see their sin. We need to be rebuked. If we're not in touch with our sin, if we're not taking our sin serious enough, and this is, this is something that's gone on for a while, we need rebukes. Amen? With the Word of God. What did Nathan say? This is what the Lord says. Yeah. We need to use the Bible when we rebuke. We can't just say... You're, you're doing this, and you're messing this up, and just give it to them without the Word of God. It's not powerful. In fact, Nathan kind of did raise his voice at one point, but I'm sure he whispered too. You know, when we rebuke someone, a great rebuke doesn't involve raising your voice at all. You just use the Word of God, and you say, "Listen, what the Lord says. I'm concerned about you. If you continue to live like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, you look at that list of sins, debauchery, sexual morality, impurity. Right? It talks about just drunkenness. It talks about all these things. If you continue to live like this, you will not inherit the kingdom. Brother, sister, I'm concerned for you. I'm scared for you. Because you are not taking this as serious as I am. You know, this is how we rebuke people. You're not taking your sins seriously, David. You're not in touch. A rebuke is needed with the Bible. Amen? There's a huge need for discipling. What would happen to David if he wasn't rebuked? Isn't that sobering to think about? It would be awful for him. Would Would he have confessed? Man, those are questions I can't answer. Because the heart's deceitful above all things. Amen? The heart is deceitful above all things. Jesus and Peter, we're not going to go through this one, but we also need to express vision to one another. Amen? Yeah. We can't just get rebuked. <laughs> you get rebuked enough, you're going to lose your heart. Amen? You know, and, and, and that's harsh, right? Vision, too. You know, Nathan rebuked him, but he also shared about all that God did in his life. It wasn't just... You're doing this wrong. You're a screw up. God said, "I, I, I would have given you that much more." I'm mean, like, "Are you kidding me?" That's God's heart for us. He'll give us. He'll give us everything we need. He's here for us, right? What did Jesus say to Peter? He said, "You are the rock, Rocky. You call him Rocky. <laughs> you're rock. Your name is Simon, shifting sand. You're emotional, but you're gonna be the rock, Peter." We gotta express vision in our disciple. When's the last time you expressed vision to someone? Man, I can see you doing this. The Lord told me this. I think you could do this. And I love it when people are like, no way. You know what's cool is when you see that vision come true years later. I've seen it so many times. People that go, No way I can do that, are doing it now. It's so cool. And they say, I'm so grateful for you expressing vision. It's not, you know, just saying stuff. I can see you leading countries. You know what I mean? We need to be truthful in our vision. Amen? (laughs) We have to believe the vision. We can't just be like saying stuff. Bro, you're so kind when someone's not that kind. You know what I mean? You want to be visionary. And certainly vision means that they're not there yet. But you need to believe it. Amen? You need to believe it. Barnabas and Peter. Now think about this. Paul's killing Christians. Then he becomes a Christian. Who wants to be in his family group? (laughs) (laughs) What now? You put me in Paul's family group? I'm good, man. I'm going to go to uh, Dorcas, man. She's way cooler. She makes me nice stuff. She made me this. I'm going over there to Dorcas' family group. Paul's like, I got no one to be in my family group, right? Barnabas went and looked for Saul, the Bible says. Went and looked for him. Well, where is Paul then? I don't know. He's certainly not in the limelight. He's certainly not sharing on Sunday. Amen? Go sit over there, Paul. Go sit on the corner over there. Was he even invited to their love feasts? Man, talk about pulling in a weak Christian. Amen? Now, Paul wasn't weak, but he was certainly looking weak. Barnabas literally encourage an apostle the guy became an apostle he wrote most of the bible what about barnabas if barnabas wasn't there to encourage and be alongside paul what would paul be and even though paul and him split up amen later on he said john mark's helpful for me i'm sure the barnabas conversation to paul dude you were a screw-up too and i loved you we need to do the same thing with John Mark. And then Paul's like, you're just being sentimental.
1: <laughs> of course
0: I'm being sentimental. I'm the son of encouragement.
1: <laughs> Come
0: on. We need to believe in John Mark. And he's like, no, I'm not going to believe. Paul had to learn later. And maybe John Mark, both of them are right. Sometimes that happens too. Discipling isn't always black and white. Sometimes discipling is wrong. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes, what happened? Here's some discipling. You know, Ray Bowen. This is the perfect example. Bone. Okay, what should I do in this new kingdom? The older people are like, hey man, this is what you need to do. Be gentle with them, be loving toward them, and that you will rule the kingdom. And then, the young people, those campus students,
1: they're like, you know what you
0: need to tell them? That your finger is about as thick as his waist. And you know what? now's the time for beatings, you know what I mean? And he was like, that's what you need to say. And he was like, okay, I'm going to say that, you know? Great. We need to get multiple people's advice.
1: <laughs>
0: amen? For that. That's a great example of that. You are responsible for your decisions. Amen? So always remember that when you're getting advice. But don't just listen to the person you want to hear. I think Ray Bowen was thinking about what he wanted to hear, not what was God's will. Amen? A couple things you can write this down, and and, and, and we'll have the slideshow available. First Samuel twenty five verse one through thirty uh, eight. Abigail, mm-hmm. give it up for the sisters. Yeah. This guy's name was Fool, you know, and he was like, "Get out of here! get out of here, my sheep, you know, just get out of here." And 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 Dave was like, you know, angry. He said, "Be it ever so severely, but I don't." kill every one of you, the men in this town. You know, he was very upset. And Abigail just started baking.
1: <laughs>
0: She's like, you know what? We've got to make this
1: fig, fig
0: time. We just made all these figs and sent food, you know? Amen. Brothers, it's pretty easy to love up on them, you know? Just bring them food, you know? And, 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 and she convinced David not to sin in this way. Amen. And obviously he died later from the Lord. He's like, I'm going to marry that girl. You know? Amen. But what I want to encourage the sisters is sometimes we don't feel like we can disciple the bros. And I want to say this. We need to do it with respect. We need to do it... And and that's everyone. Everyone needs to respect. When we disciple one another, we need to be gentle. We need to be loving. We need to be humble. The best way to share... And what did Abigail do? She shared. She said... You, you need to do this, David. No, she didn't say that. She, she, she specifically won him over and said, "You're just so great of a king. Don't get wrapped up in this guy. You know, just inspire him in many ways. And he stopped, she saved the whole town from that. You know, if you're like a servant of, of that guy, you're fired up about Abigail. Right. <laughs> You're like, oh my goodness, thank you so much for making those cakes, you know? <laughs> that was awesome. How about this? A Gentile woman... This is really... This is really uh, inc- amazing. A Gentile woman, it only, she don't even have a name. just calls them the woman of Tikawa. Tikawa. What is that, some Native American place? What are you talking about? Where is this place? Well, we know it. We can look on a map. But... This woman, who is a Gentile woman, goes up to the king of Israel and is like, hey, you should bring... He's discipling David on his family parenting. That's pretty bold. And David takes it. David listens to the Gentile woman who's nameless. Did I tell you David was an awesome example of being discipled? You know, women... Have talked to me and discipled me with great respect and love, and they've changed my life. And men, I've talked to women and changed their life. It's not just men on men and women on women. We need to be thinking about the whole group. Now, there's wisdom. Abigail had great tact and wisdom. You know, some brother, I'm going to get that brother. You know, and you just go up to him and give it to him, you know? Some sisters have done that to me too, amen. And, and, and it feels weird. You're like, whoa, this woman's coming at me right now. And even then, I've listened to them. Because of the woman of Takao. You know what I mean? She helps me out. She helps me out. You know, because it's not about just how it's said. It's about what's said. If someone screams at me and they're saying the truth, I would appreciate them if they did it in love. Amen? But I'm going to first listen to it. You know, one of the things I hear often... Well, the way you said that What about what you said? It's so scary to disciple someone it, You know, some people they, It takes so much courage To go up to someone And say, you're the man You have to appreciate that, right? Yeah. That courage that it takes to do that Some of us are more naturally true speakers Other of us, you know We're trembling We're trembling Who am I? I'm a grasshopper. What am I supposed to do? i got so many things that I I can change too. But that doesn't stop them from speaking to us. And it changes our life. We don't have time to talk about all this, but we always have to do it with humility. We also have to do it with gentleness and love. If you disciple someone, you can say anything. I have said the craziest things to brothers with love, and they're like, thank you so much. There was one brother, he was, he, was, he was struggling with pride. And we got together with a d-group, we had a d-group. There was six people. And I said, so you don't see your pride, for He goes, no, I, don't, I, don't, I feel like you're wrong, Glenn. And I was like, well, why don't we just go around, and brother by brother, just tell this brother what you see that's prideful about. Maybe I'm wrong. And we went around. <laughs> and after that brother, he was like, oh! Guess what? It helped him a lot. It humbled him out. But we all spoke the truth to him in love. After that, we hugged him, we loved him. It was over. He changed. Something happens when you speak the truth in love. That's obviously my longest point, the need for discipling, guys. Think about Jesus and Peter's ability. Think about Jesus, by the way. Peter had the audacity to rebuke Jesus. Nobody's above discipling. Amen?
1: Now, that's another example
0: of how wrong disciple can be sometimes, too. Remember, not everything is always from the Lord. You should never die. I mean, that was certainly not from the Lord, right? What if Jesus was like, you know what? You're right. I don't think I can do that anymore, you know? No, that would have been really bad, right? The way to disciples. The way to go to Second Timothy chapter three. The way to disciple. Look at these two
1: sisters.
0: <laughs> They're awesome. They're just discipling each other. You're <laughs> using the Bible. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome, yes. <laughs> you can take a picture of this. Um, how do you decide? This is the how to disciple. So. This is an art more than a science. you know what I'm saying? So you're going to make a lot of mistakes if you disciple people. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. I want to encourage you to make a lot of mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. If you do it with love, you really can't lose. And if you do it with the Word of God, you really have like an 85% chance of being true. Unless you take the Scripture out of context. And that's a 15% chance you might do that, right? Sometimes. But maybe you want to get advice before you disciple someone on a certain thing. And you don't want to say the name. You want to say, there's a brother who's got this. I'm going to share this scripture. That's gossip. If you say, this brother, I'm going to go disciple this brother because this brother did this. You maybe want to get some advice about discipling someone. But don't use their name. Use the situation. Don't use their name. And I think that will come across well. That's, that's, you're preparing I think Nathan got a lot of advice from the Lord before he went. That whole story, I mean, he planned that out, didn't
1: he?
0: That was a planned out thing. I think it's important that we plan out what we're going to say. Don't just come in and go, I know the Bible says something about this. (laughs) (laughs) Turn your Bible to the the Lamentations. You know, like, oh, what? You know, know, that's that's not the best word, you know, scripture right there. But <laughs> let's go to Second Timothy chapter three, and this is an awesome passage. We we read this in the word study. And um, um Who'd like to read verse sixteen through seventeen? Can we read that? All right,
1: AJ. All scriptures God for God be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yes, servant of
0: God. Be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's used for teaching, rebuking, correcting. Isn't it cool that we have a word of God we can use in our discipling? I want to encourage us, every time we disciple someone, use the Bible. Guess what? There's sticky discipling, and then there is not sticky discipling. What I mean by sticky discipling is sticky discipling stays in the mind of someone. They don't forget. And what sticks in people's minds the most is God's powerful word that accomplishes everything it needs and desires. There's times I use the word of God. I'm discipling someone on this, and then they get convicted about something else, and they confess this too. and you're like, whoa, that was cool. Double whammy, you know? That's the power of the Word of God. It's used to rebuke, correct, train. What's really cool is we have the Bible's example of how to correct. Jethro and Moses. What if I said to Tim, what you're doing is not good. How are you feeling right now? I think, uh, what am I doing wrong? You kind of feel like, hey, what, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but my heart's in a good place. I think rebuking is a lot easier to hear than correction. Because correction, you're like, my heart was not You ever see that? But bro, I have a good heart, bro. You're like, wait, let's look at scripture. That's not true, actually. But, but yeah, you might have good intentions. <laughs> but, but you might have good intentions. But correction, what was Moses doing wrong? He was trying to be Superman leader, right? Doing everything, right? Jethro corrected him. And he, and he did it in a way that helped him. Correction's meant to be helpful. And at first, why do you correct someone? They're wrong about something. The Bible says those who don't take correction are... Stupid. I didn't say that. <laughs> you just said that. No. No. But, you know, stupid. The Correction is difficult because most of the time our hearts are in good places. You know, I remember one time, oh man, I, I, got, I got sat down by a pretty awesome preacher evangelist. And he started saying, bro, last week's sermon was amazing. This week's sermon was the worst sermon. You know, he started giving it to me. And he just started, he just had all these notes. He said, bro, what's the Holy Grail? Bro, what's a mosque? I'm like, oh. Bro, you don't know, do you? This is before I went to Albania. You don't know what a mosque is. And I'm like, and why did you say, never say anything about, from the pulpit that you don't know mm. never forget that mm. then he was like, do you want to go to Albania right after that he <laughs> 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 was funny, I was like, that was the weirdest <laughs> I thought he was going to, you know, just say get out of the ministry, but then he was like go lead a church, you know I think what was cool about that situation he believed in me more than I believed in myself He had a higher standard for me than I did. And that's why we correct people too, is that we we have vision for them higher than their own vision. Mm -hmm. We say, bro, you you can do more in the church. Come on, you know? It's a great call, amen? Mm -hmm. Giving advice. I love this. When we give advice, when we disciple, it's just advice. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: They have that saying, advice is just advice. It's not the word of God. Certainly there's principles. There's two types of authority that really work. Relational authority and knowledge authority. If I'm talking to an elder in the church who's been married for 40 years, and he's talking to me about my marriage, I probably should listen up. And if that person really has shown love to me, and I trust them, I really should speak up, because they know me very well, right? But someone who's, you know, a teenager comes up to me, it's not married, and says, bro, your marriage is a wreck, I still need to listen to them. Because why is he saying that? That's convicting, you know? But that's not as much authority, right? He's not been married. You know, you need to not listen to your wife, bro. You need to just tell her how it is. <laughs> well, that's advice that maybe I don't take, amen? Because <laughs> my, my, my experience has said that doesn't work,
1: <laughs> right?
0: amen so again this is advice so one of the things I love is, is Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 through 16 says Paul says I want to know Christ he's humbly talking about his life and then he says all that mature will, will take note of these things and if you don't know this at some point God too will make it clear to you
1: yeah.
0: so if you give the advice and someone doesn't take it that's okay You know what I say? I say, amen. First of all, I'm so glad that I got to share my advice with them. And I'm also so glad that they took ownership and did something that they thought they needed to do. But, God will also make it clear if they didn't, shouldn't have followed that, should have followed that advice. The Bible talks about taking advice, getting advice. But again, sometimes we're upset that people don't take our advice. Don't you know who I am? (laughs) I've been in the kingdom for so long You don't take my advice What? Prideful We can't say that so quickly, guys We can't say that so quickly They might follow the Holy Spirit You know, we might be wrong But on the other hand We also might be right We have to take ownership for our own decisions Well, i got some bad advice Guess what? That's on you just as much as we're saying you can do what you need to do God gives us free choice we also need to take personal responsibility amen our own decisions Um, the craziest thing is Peter and Paul man Peter gets rebuked right in front of everyone in Galatians chapter 2 remember that just rebuked in front of everyone and Peter repents that's pretty the killer of Christians now is coming at Peter And saying, You're not even hardly a Jew, basically. And here you are hanging out with the Jews. What are you doing? You're going against the gospel. I mean, I'm paraphrasing it. But essentially, he's like, Yes, I need to repent.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, all the people, the great men of God and the great women of God, were humble towards disciples. It's interesting. They were humble, they cared more about what God thought than what man thought. And so it's good. It's good. We need to follow their example. Amen. But we also have to follow the example of people like Paul, who literally, even though he had plenty to feel bad about, right? He still spoke up. See, what Satan says is you can't disciple people, you're a mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Guess what? Paul is the worst sinner. That's what he even said. Yeah. Oh, he was just being spiritual, bro. I don't know. It's not like the Bible corrected him on that one.
1: <laughs>
0: have you stoned a great man of God before? Hopefully none of us have. <laughs> have you dragged people to prison because they're Christian? I mean, you, you really... He really messed up. And yet he was, had the power to disciple people. If he was able... Well, he was an apostle, bro. Yeah, he was also a guy who was blind and not eating for three days. He's also a guy... Who couldn't see very well because I believe God kind of blinded him for life because of his sin. He had weakness. He the Bible uh, the Bible talks about him all the time about having weakness. He had uh, people. The early Christians say that he was sort of he had twisted up knees because he was beaten so much. He had a hooked nose and he was a bald guy. That's what it says, the early Christians. You look it up. That's how they talk about Paul. He wasn't the sharpest looking guy, right? But when he spoke, obviously you listened. You know? Why didn't the church take him seriously, guys? Think about this. Samuel, I mean Saul, they looked at. Big Saul, right? The, the king, right? He was this tall guy. And guess what his name was? His name was Saul too. But he was this little guy with a bald, bald little guy who, who walked like this. You know what I mean? repent. You know, people were like, who is this guy? (laughs) Corinth didn't take him serious. But he was emboldened because God was with him. God's with you. The goal, it's not about you, church. It's about forming Christ in each other. And so I want to encourage us, just as we end, what's the Holy Spirit putting on your heart? Do you see sin in the church? Do you see your brother and sister who is in need of disciples? Maybe it's encouragement. Like this sister just looks down. I'm going to encourage her. This brother needs vision for his life. I'm going to give it to him. Wow, I'm concerned about this situation and and I'm going to get involved. I'm going to share my sin first and then I'm going to relate to them and then I'm going to ask them about their sin. Amen? That's the best way to disciple. You get open about your life. Boom. Rapport. Instant rapport. Right? I want to encourage us to be bold, like Paul was. Paul called out Peter, who had the keys to the kingdom. I mean, that guy was more than like a world sector leader, he was like the guy with the keys to the kingdom. And he, re- he rebuked him right in front of everyone. That's powerful. If that's what Paul could do, what can we do? Amen? Let's end here. I want to talk about this last thing here. This scripture. Right here. Matthew 18. Write it down. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 18. And if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. This is pretty intense because that's on you. That's on me. If you see someone sin. I remember someone said, bro, I saw someone smoking in the church. They weren't in the church, right, man? But they were out on there. I'm just keeping it real. Is it okay if I keep it real? Smoking. Not anyone here right now. This is in in the past, amen? They were smoking. What do I do? I'm like, go talk to them. But I don't know them well. Guess what? What's the Bible say? I looked at dispatches with them. Go and talk to them. But what if he's... Who cares what, what... Guess what? There's another plan. If he doesn't listen to you, take two or three others along with you. Sometimes we stop. Bro, I don't feel like you're right. I think you're, you're wrong. And they, they come at you back. And, and we just go, okay. Okay. You're right and wrong. I, I misunderstood that situation. No. Let's get two or three other involved and let's see if, if they agree with you. Maybe I'm wrong. But we can't let sin lie. And then it says, obviously, it takes it to further things, to the church, and then obviously it comes to the point where they are essentially, there's church discipline involved. So this is a serious scripture. A lot of times what happens, unfortunately, is that we don't go talk to them and it's too late. That's, that's a tough thing to say, huh? But that's true. We see sin, but we don't call it out quick enough. And then what happens? The heart gets hard. What if David... What if Nathan waited two more months, three more months, before he approached David? Wow. Would have been too late. We don't know. You know, thinking about this, guys, what's our goal? Our goal is... <coughs> to form Christ, to speak the truth in love for one another so that we can all be like Jesus Christ. I want to encourage us to be a discipler. Well, bro, I'm not a leader. No, all of you are disciples. All of us are speaking from the least to the greatest, whoever that is. Speak the truth in love because there's great needs in our fellowship. Speak vision. Speak encouragement. Correct rebuke and encourage with great
1: patience and careful instruction. Amen.